0: Hello folks, welcome to the IoT Time podcast. I am Ken Briota, Editorial Director for IoT Evolution. And here on IoT Time, I try to talk about all the things that I think are interesting, innovative, and hopefully important in the internet of things. We are going to get to our episode in just a moment, but first I want to remind you that coming up in 2021 is the very next IoT Evolution Expo. We've all been uh, dealing with all of our COVID issues all around the world, getting our supply chains in order, helping uh, business run, which is what the IoT does best, Uh, And we are going to be talking about in our event uh, in 2021, a bunch of the issues and uh, strategies that led to success through COVID and through a lot of other changes in the world that have been making IoT the technology that is enabling digital transformation in the modern business world. So uh, make sure you go on over to IOTEvolutionExpo.com. That's IOTEvolutionExpo.com. Check out our speaking faculty, our developing agenda, our sponsors and exhibitors lists, and everything else that's going to be going on in Miami in 2021. Uh, We are excited to have this live event, and we are excited to have you there. So register now for the uh, lowest available rates to get yourself into the full conference pass uh, we've got early, early bird rates up right now. So you can find all of those details at IOTEvolutionExpo.com. I think that's enough talking about the future because now we are in the present. And in the present, we have Dominic Alcaro, VP of Strategic Customers for Schneider Electric. Dominic, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ken. Happy to be here. In case folks aren't familiar with you or uh, somehow not with Schneider Electric, can you tell us a little bit about how you uh, got involved with the IoT and what your sort of uh, day-to-day hands-on is like? Sure, sure. I'm a,
1: roughly a 20-plus year veteran of uh, Schneider Electric. I came to Schneider Electric from the U.S. Navy, where I started my career as a submarine officer, actually, in the U.S. Navy, but uh, but then quickly evolved into Corporate America. And I've had various roles throughout the years, but in, in my current capacity, I am leading a team of IIOT consultants that are basically tasked with enabling our customers on their own digitization journeys. As you know very well, can digital disruptions you know are affecting every segment everywhere, every industry, and it's my team that's tasked with turning those disruptions into opportunities. You know, our focus is bringing business value to our customers through integrated hardware and software solutions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with a focus on things like AI, machine learning, uh, and again, like I said, prior to this role, I've had uh, multiple other biz dev, strategy, sales type roles. Sure. And uh, Schneider Electric, you know, I, 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 how much do you know about Schneider Electric? I'm not sure what you're familiar. Oh, yeah. um,
0: my listeners are probably pretty familiar. We've uh, we've had Schneider folks on the podcast several times in the past. What I'm interested in, and and how we sort of got this podcast together uh, was the adjusting to the pandemic has been specifically changing the way you've been working. And not just personally, but like sort of in your department and the way that your department's been looking at working with customers. And I find this really interesting and I'd love to hear more about, about what's been going on.
1: Yeah, yeah. You said it, uh, it certainly has had a big impact. You know, so I guess I'll start with, you know, in terms of our sales focus and uh, what, how we are you know, strategically changing we are look basically going to reimagine this team as I said this team is focused on big strategic customers uh, in in various segments every segment you could imagine oil and gas water wastewater metal mining and minerals hotels, healthcare, CP consumer packaged goods, etc cetera. Et cetera and we're going to have to reimagine the team because the fact is that some of those segments have been very negatively impacted by COVID-19, you know, yeah. oil and gas, automotive. Some have been, you know, actually positively impacted. Uh, I didn't mention it, but data centers, uh, certain aspects of CPG, consumer packaged goods has been mm-hmm. positively impacted. And but more importantly, we're going to have to refocus the team into more of an agile methodology, scrum type mentality where we need to be able to uh, jump on new opportunities as we see them develop, uh, you know, brought on by COVID-19 is this, this big concept of reshoring due to supply chain disruptions. And yeah. so now, you know, do we go focus on new segments like uh, semiconductors or uh, life sciences, you know, uh, potentially even metal mining and minerals, right? We want to make sure that yeah. we have control over our own precious metals supply chain. And then, you know, from a tactical level, you know, we're focusing on digital services such as preventative predictive maintenance. Uh, there's been a renewed interest in cyber security, so we're focusing on that. Early on in the crisis, we had a, a pretty significant task force around uh, healthcare and ensuring that you know these pop-up healthcare facilities could go up quickly and seamlessly. Uh, yeah. Even even hotels to healthcare, we we were part of that initiative in turning hotel floors into potential healthcare facilities. Uh, and then the, we're doing things that. You know, we, we didn't believe our customers would ever do. But if you're familiar with like a factory acceptance test or a witness, mm-hmm. uh, customer witness test, we're doing those virtually now.
0: Yeah, and, uh, I wanted know. to ask about that specifically because um, uh, that's the kind of change that I would expect to continue indefinitely. Even after COVID ends, once the infrastructure for these remote, you know, witness testing Uh, things and and please, if you want for the listeners' benefit, maybe they're not familiar, explain what that is. But I I would see that going on from now on as the standard practice,
1: and I would agree. And it's not the only one, by the way, that I think is going to go on as a standard practice. But, but yeah, in the case of a factory acceptance test or customer witness tests, are called the idea is you actually test the system to the specs that it was designed and you run it through you know, live testing and the customer sits there and watches could be a uh, electrical distribution system. It could be an automation uh, solution, but they literally sit there and show, you know, verify that the voltage came in, we're supposed to come in, uh, the, the amperage came in, where it's supposed to come in, et cetera. Uh, and, but w- why can't you do that virtually? Right. I mean, right. unless you think that someone is going to be messing <laughs> with the bits as they flow across the internet and, and the, yeah. changing the story, you know, So pre recorded uh,
0: yeah. video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey hey listeners, I hate to bring it to you. This is pre-recorded audio right now. You're listening to it. Uh the whole thing is fake. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to mention something else too about what we're doing differently, uh that's maybe not so much um you know about our sales focus, but about what individual sellers are doing differently. Because you know, I find it fascinating because you know, individual sellers they can't spend periods, uh, long periods of time with customers anymore. Where it's a whole day thing, where you have lunch, yeah. a meeting, and then maybe some drinks, and you get lots of time to ask lots of questions, and uh, and really understand the customer well. Our salespeople now have to be much better prepared than ever before because they've only got a limited amount of t- limited amount of time with a customer on uh, a webinar or on a, uh, a WebEx or uh, a uh, Microsoft Teams meeting or what we're using here. Zoom. And so they've got to make sure that that message is precise and clear. And so it's really helped us hone our our messages to be much more impactful. And then, of course, we're using other standard techniques uh, that I think many companies are using. Social selling, LinkedIn sales navigators become a big tool for us. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, of course, webinars. Um, Mm -hmm. We've been able to take the time to learn some new methodologies to understand our customers buying habits. By a, through a strong collaboration with marketing, you know we're, you know we had these tools before, but we never took the time to really sit down and try to utilize them. And now we are understanding, you know, how how often has a customer visited a website, and what pa- what white papers have they downloaded, what products were they interested in, and how yeah. can we use that to maybe you know ask some thoughtful questions? We're even texting customers, you know, which <laughs> we never we never did before, and yeah, they're, they're, respo- they're responding, which is pretty which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that, and, uh, that, you know, it's interesting because I guess what would have been considered alternative methods of customer communication are at the same time more intimate because that's sort of how people communicate with their personal contacts and their personal daily lives and, and also uh, more immediate. So, so you feel, I would expect, as a, as a provider – uh, closer to them and they feel closer to you and there's more of a sort of relationship forming there which just moves you down that that customer relationship funnel that, that folks are always talking about right
1: Yeah you know you are right and and I do believe that we will be able to build you know brand new relationships with these virtual tools I mean that, that's been the one consistent comment uh, you know whether you're on, onboarding a new employee or trying to build a new relationship with a customer, it's tough to do that virtually if you didn't know that individual before. But I'm seeing that it, it is possible. It is possible. I, I myself have developed relationships just via Zoom. No question about it. Maybe we'll develop a relationship, Ken, via, via this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I'd <laughs> hope so. Um, well, <laughs> but, that's, one last that's well, thing that's interesting to me, though, is that, um, and just to sort of circle back to, I think that a lot of these processes that we've been developing over the last Oh God! It's been what seventeen years since March, um, and a, a lot of the tools that we've been developing are going to make processes better moving forward. It seems like more approachable, more effective, certainly more efficient. Uh, I, I I think that we're going to find across a lot of industries that that we're going that this. Forced adaptation is going to be a net positive.
1: I, I, uh, I do agree. I really do. I mean, I think face-to-face selling will eventually return, but not oh. to the extent that it existed before. You know, yeah. we're going we're to find ways to just be smarter about it.
0: I think you're right. Yeah, the, I think the, you're going to see the end of the, the the week-long sales trip for one client kind of thing. Uh, although yeah, that was sort of already starting to go away. It's, yeah, yeah you
1: know. you're right. <laughs> one, one, one last tool I wanted to mention, because uh, I talked about virtual factory acceptance testing but we're also doing virtual factory tours Mm -hmm. and uh, you know at some point i'd love to tell you about our uh, lexington kentucky smart factory and what we've done there over the years but but we we're using that as a face-to-face selling tool and then we pivoted and now we do daily virtual tours of this factory where somebody rolls around with a camera and uh, we have multiple customers on at the same time so it's a Mm -hmm. one-to-many type relationship more efficient from that perspective. And they're actually able to interact quite well, ask questions, and it's been working really great.
0: That's awesome. Um, there's no time like the present. I'd love to hear more about the, the factory in, in, you said, Lexington in Kentucky?
1: Lexington, Kentucky, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a factory where we make uh, safety switches and load centers, You know, basically mm-hmm. you know, panels where you insert circuit breakers. Uh, we make about two to 3,000 safety switches a day, about 9,000 load centers there per day. It's about a 50-year-old factory. And uh, the automation journey actually started probably about 30 plus years ago there, Mm -hmm. but it's been accelerated over the last five years for sure. And uh, what we've seen as a result, by automation, I'm talking about implementing things like uh, newer and better HMIs, uh, some virtual reality tools, which I can tell you about, but we've seen a 20% decrease in mean time to repair, 3.5% year over year energy savings since 2012. So every year, another 3.5, basically a compounded 3.5% decrease in energy usage That's and 90%, amazing. yeah, and 90% uh, elimination of paperwork. The real story here, though, is that, it, again, it started 30 years ago, accelerated in the last five years, and it's been, you know, a step at a time kind of process. And it's part of the story that we typically tell customers that are looking to understand how to automate and make their factories and their industry smarter. It's oftentimes a, Start with some small steps and, and expand from there, yeah. which is exactly what we did here. And in the end, the um, the overall, you know, the OEE, overall equipment effectiveness has gone up by 5%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but the dollar savings from that are, uh, Huge, are tremendous. Yeah. yeah. And what's really cool, too, is we did that by, there were different cells in the factory that were each uh, optimizing for their own OEE. No one was looking at, though, how the, all the cells interacted and making sure that the overall OEE was synchronized and optimized. And we brought in uh, one of our partners, Aviva, we're actually uh, an owner of Aviva software company. Uh, They have a platform called Aviva Insight, which helped us uh, to do that. And and Mm -hmm. it even allowed you to understand things like how to schedule lunch breaks more efficiently and, and shifts so that these individual cells were all transitioning the product from one to the other much more efficiently.
0: Yeah. Is there? Have you seen sort of? I, uh, let me start over. Let me do this a different way. The looking back now with some with some hindsight over the last you know nearly a year, it seems like if we had had more early adoption and development in automation of manufacturing and supply chain, especially, that would have ameliorated a lot of the struggle here that we've seen with COVID because. You know, the the various shortages that we had early, the struggle that some of the uh, shipping companies are having still in delays, all of that stuff, it seems like, could have been, if not, not a problem, at the very least, less of a problem if we'd been more uh, early adopting of some of these automation uh, technologies and services from you know, raw materials and, and mining all the way through down the supply chain to the last mile. Um, do you think that this last year, this COVID pandemic is going to push toward more automation? And do you think that's positive? I do. <laughs> uh,
1: y- yeah, y- yes and yes. Yeah, there's, there's uh, there is no question. We like to say that COVID-19... Has not changed the real priorities. It's just forcing the tough questions. Mm-hmm. And there's this great image that I, that I have that I saw recently of a of a little city, and there's a there's a pretty big wave called uh, COVID nineteen coming at this little city. But then right behind that is an even bigger wave called recession. And then right behind that is a much bigger wave called uh, you know climate change. And so mm-hmm. all of those things, all of those trends, you know, still exist. And uh, there's no question that the customers that were more automated, more digitized are faring better. We have a customer, uh, NL, uh, a large utility, and -hmm. they have been digitizing for a long time. And uh, imagine the competitive advantage they had in the countries where they provide power when they saw a 20% increase in residential energy usage with a simultaneous 40% decrease in industrial energy usage due to COVID-19. Right. They were able to manage all of that electrical distribution and and make sure nobody went down through their you know operations and maintenance center because they had digitized along the way started a long time ago. Well, so they right. were prepared. Yeah.
0: Well, we've seen we've seen what happened to the the various power utilities that weren't able to to measure that as quickly. And they they spent the months of April, May, June just underwater, just struggling to to keep up with the residential demand and not realizing that they weren't having the demand getting pulled into the commercial and, and industrial spaces the same way. and And that's a real not just competitive disadvantage, but like disservice to their customers.. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You better believe it. Yeah. yeah. And then you throw on top of that things like wildfires in California right. where uh, utilities are struggling even more. In fact, we've got another interesting customer story there where we put a microgrid. Are you familiar with uh, microgrids, I assume?
0: Kevin? Yeah. Oh, I'm, yep. I'm a big fan. I love the idea of, of pulling uh, as much of the management, if not the generation, down to local area as possible, just to go back to that climate change wave. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes, and we are we're fully aligned there, and so uh, the Miramar in California is is a base, and we have installed a microgrid, which is using you know a combination of renewable energies with with more traditional energy. But there is a some solar, uh, there's some some gas that we're taking off of a, a biofuel type of a dump, you know. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's got sustainable energy, but when uh, I believe it was San Diego Power Company when they it's, it's determined that due to the wildfires and other factors, they were going to have to start doing rolling blackouts. We were able to fire up this microgrid that we had installed at Miramar and provide six megawatts of power back onto the grid, which saved 2000 homes wow. from, uh, from going down from having to occur a blackout, you know? Yeah. So you
0: know, re- really cool. Oh, sure. Cause you know uh, uh, in the summer months, blackouts are deadly, you know, there there's plenty of, uh, not to mention food waste and, and things like that. But, but if you're talking about Southern California or Florida or, you know, anywhere else in the middle of the earth, <laughs> the, the heat is a problem and people can die. And and especially when they feel stuck in their homes because they want to be responsible and safe like people should be, people can suffocate and, and, and get overheated and, and all that, all those problems that can happen. And now we're starting to turn the corner. I live in the Northeast in New England uh, of, in, in the U.S. Uh, we're starting to turn the corner toward winter, where again, I, I'm going to be uh, drawing on the power grid for heat. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. So that's going to be another huge drain on the, the energy infrastructure. And the more edge intelligence there is, the more insight into the networks that the utilities have the better for all of us for sure
1: and as you know that's all powered by iot i mean that, uh, that, yeah. it's, it's it's all possible now because of iot mm-hmm. yeah we, we like to talk about energy as a service you know which uh, you know microgrids are kind of at the center of yep, but the yep. idea is yeah think about it today we get our energy as a service from the utility the only thing that stinks about that service is we've got a little choice as far as the quality of, of that service, or resiliency, right? The yeah, sustainability, yeah. Or, or even the cost. But with a uh, a microgrid, you can actually set it up so you have flexibility in all three of those areas. You can make it very resilient. You can power it with sustainable fuels, and uh, you can set up the price structure that you want. In fact, you can you know set a flat monthly fee. You can uh, you can price it based on the actual usage consumption. But mm-hmm. the point is flexibility in all these areas that the utilities just can't give you today because of how they're how they're structured how they're set up
0: yeah um uh, unfortunately we i we could talk about this forever uh, i'm sure and there's a ton to to cover here but unfortunately we're nearing the end of our time uh dominic can you tell uh, tell the folks out there listening where they can find more about what you're working on at schneider and and uh where they can follow you for uh, more updates moving ahead
1: Sure. I mean, I'm available on LinkedIn, you know, Dominic Alcaro, just uh, as the name is spelled, uh, as I assume you would see in the podcast. And uh, our website, se.com, provides uh, links to all anything we've talked about and, and a whole lot more.
0: Awesome. And those links will be in the show notes for you folks out there listening, as you know. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ken Briota or at IoT Evolution. Please visit IoT for all the fits, it's news to print in the IoT. Uh, make sure you uh, check out IOTEvolutionExpo.com to keep up with everything that's going on with IOT Evolution Expo 2021. It's time to grow, including, of course, our uh, uh, always popular and always huge industrial IoT track where we're going to be talking about these issues and many, many others, uh, all at IOTEvolutionExpo.com. Don't forget to rate, review, like, subscribe, do all those things that you do for podcasts that you love like you do IoT time, I hope. And uh, if you want to join the IOT Time team, and uh, make sure you send me an email. and We can talk about various sponsorship opportunities for an episode, a, uh, a group of episodes, or even an entire season uh, coming up as we are on the backside of season five here on IOT Time. Uh, so send me an email if you want to talk about sponsorship opportunities. I'd love to chat with you and see how I can help uh, grow your business. Uh, Dominic Alcaro of Schneider Electric, thank you so much for being my guest.
1: Thank you. I uh, really enjoyed it. And by the way, I think that's a great title. Uh, it's time to grow. I, th- I think you have it right with that uh, spot on. We need to thank- transform digitally faster and faster.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, maybe I can twist your arm to join the speaking faculty for, uh, for next year. I'd love to uh, talk to you about that off the air. Don't answer now. I'm just publicly shaming you. I'll, <laughs> this. I'll get you to say yes uh, later. That, no. <laughs> I'm
1: definitely interested in talking further about that for sure.
0: <laughs> all right. You heard it, folks. That's as good, <laughs> as, good as I promise. Uh, <laughs> that is unfortunately all the IoT time we have left now, but uh, I hope you'll all join us next time. Take care of each other. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thanks, Ken. See you. Thank you.